You know, I remember sitting in our counselor's office waiting to get our test results back. My wife Janet and I, we had just started premarital counseling, and the counselor had given us a test. Well, it was an assessment called Prepare and Enrich. Now, it was an assessment, but I saw it as a test, right? Because the test was something that you would pass, something that you would ace, but failure, well, that wasn't an option. Well, Randy, our counselor, he comes in our second session, he pulls out the results of this assessment. And he begins to give us words of encouragement. He sees this part of our relationship and this part of our relationship being very healthy and it will lead to a thriving marriage. But then all of a sudden, it kind of makes the shifts and he leans in and says, you know, there's a couple areas based on how you answered the questions that you might want to lean into. You might want to have more conversation about. And I remember listening. And he started talking about how finances we might want to have a deeper conversation about how we handle money in our families we're moving forward. And then he actually talked about how we might want to have conversation about household responsibilities or chores in the home. And, and I'm thinking to myself, I look at him and I look at my wife Janet, and I'm just so, so in love with her. And I think, man, we are so in love. These things are going to be a complete non-issue. Well, we get married six months later, and then three months after that, we moved from here in Kansas City, out to Washington, D.C. And I start my career as an engineer with the Navy Nuclear Program, and Janet begins her career as a social worker, working as a psychosocial day treatment program just about a mile north of the White House. And, and life is swell. And we're working pretty hard, and it's a pretty long commute for both of us. So it's, you know, 50-plus hours a week for each of us. And so when the weekend rolls around, it's kind of a reprieve. And then on Saturday morning, we'd wake up, we'd lounge around a little bit, and then Janet would ask me, hey, Troy, what do you plan on doing today? And I'd say, well, I'm, I'm going to watch a couple games on TV, and they made me a nap, and, and then I'm going to take you out for a really lovely dinner tonight, okay? And then I'd ask her, so, hon, what do you plan on doing? And she'd look at me, and she would say, well, i got to clean the apartment, i got to do the laundry, and i got to go grocery shopping. And my response would be, great. <laughs> now, maybe you can see a problem brewing here, right? But I, I got to just say, hey, uh, in my defense, uh, in our defense, the truth is we both came from homes where our moms did the majority, if not all, of the household chores. And so taking kind of our family of origin, I was thinking, yeah, let's bring those into this family dynamics. And Janet's thinking, no, let's not. But she wouldn't say anything. And she'd go about her day. And then we'd end up having dinner that night and begin the week uh, coming on Monday. But somewhere, somewhere around Tuesday or Wednesday, we would be at dinner after a long day, and I would make some comment, some comment maybe about dinner or comment about something mundane, and all of a sudden she would just explode. And I'm going, what is wrong? What's going on? Who is this woman? This response does not match the situation. For the first year of our marriage, this pattern would repeat itself multiple times. And we failed to see and resolve the real issues. She would blame me silently, and I would blame her for her outbursts vocally. Now, every relationship, every relationship has conflict. 
It's either spoken or it's unspoken. And conflict that goes unresolved, well, too frequently it leads to a broken relationship. And wherever there is brokenness or wherever there's conflict, well, there's blame. Hi there, my name's Troy McMahon. I'm the lead pastor here at Restore. And I'm grateful that wherever you happen to be today, that you're leaning in and joining us. And here we are in week three of our four-week series talking about Reassembly Required, a beginner's guide to repairing broken relationships. And throughout this series, we're kind of laying out four, four key decisions that you and I have to make if we're going to be about repairing broken relationships. Now, week one, we kind of dove into a general overview where we just learned that, you know, relationships, they don't come with instructions. And that most, if not all of us, we're better at starting relationships or even maintaining relationships than we are at repairing broken relationships. And last week, well, we discovered that no matter whose fault it is, well, reconciliation, if it's going to happen, it's got to begin with me. And we learned and we talked about the first decision of these four that we have to make if we're going to be about repairing broken relationships, and it's this. We don't get back at we get back to. If you missed it, I want to encourage you to go to our YouTube page. You can watch the message because it's really powerful, it's effective, and it's helpful. Now, if you and I are being honest with ourselves, as we've been thinking about the relationships we have, the good ones and the broken ones, and the ones we're thinking about reconciling, we've probably had a few excuses come to mind. And sometimes the excuses can be so big that we just end up going like, yeah, that relationship, mm -hmm, it's unfixable. It's impossible. Or reconciliation, mm, it's unnecessary. And, and maybe as you've pondered these relationships in your life that are complicated and difficult, you're just thinking, well, I don't need to because, you know, I just don't care. I, I don't care about that one anymore. And let me just say, if that's the excuse or the reason that comes to mind, I'm just telling you, you're, you're probably living in the opposite, because if it came to mind, you said, I don't care. It's probably because you do care, because if you didn't care, you wouldn't think about it at all. Or, or maybe you've had the thought that, no, I don't want to do that, or I'm not going to do that, because you heard a suggestion, and you just would no, no, already tried that, didn't work. And let me just say, hey, relationships, they're complex, and solutions aren't simple. Fixes aren't quick. You can't just get a, a can of a fix it, you know, and pour it into the relationship and have it inflate and be okay. It takes work. It takes multiple tries. It takes multiple conversations. Or maybe, maybe you thought about those broken relationships and you just said, mm -mm, not going to fix that one, not going to work on it, because it's just not my fault. We get to the end of the narrative and we just tell ourselves and we tell our friends, it wasn't my fault anyway. If it's going to fix, they have to do the work. The most interesting thing about this excuse is it most frequently used, if it's used by one person on one side of it, it's used by the other person in the exact same relationship. And so that leads us to our topic today. When it comes to broken relationships, what do I do with blame? And so we want to lean into kind of the second decision 
that we've got to make if we want to repair and restore and reconcile these broken relationships, and it's this. You and I, we have to own my piece of the blame pie. I've got to own mine. You've got to own yours. So let's just spend some time to unpack this. Jesus, Jesus had some really powerful words recorded in our true source of the Bible in the book of Matthew. Matthew's the first gospel. It's the first book in the New Testament, the biblical narrative of Jesus' life. And he, he asked this really personable and this really um, aggravating question. Now, if you're a Christ follower, you've probably heard this question before. If you're not a Christ follower, I bet you might have heard it as well. We're going to Matthew chapter 7. Start in the first verse. Here's what we read. We read, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why? Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eyes and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Let me take that speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Whew. Kind of hits kind of close to home. Let's see if we can make that really accessible for you and I, where we are right here, right now. See, I think Jesus is telling us right here, first thing, First thing you and I got to do is we got to focus on our own stuff. That's why he asked the question, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? He asked this great question. Why are you so focused on what they did, which you can't do anything about? Why don't you first focus on what you are doing or what you have done? Because you can do something about that. Now, you got to understand, Jesus isn't arguing that the person you're in conflict with, the person you have a broken relationship with, has no faults, has no issues. I mean, God knows literally every one of his children and their issues, and we all have issues, big issues. we got sin issues. But Jesus is telling us before we try to help them, well, we got to focus on our issues. we got to own our piece of the problem, our piece of the conflict. Take responsibility for what I, what you have done wrong. Before I get to them, i got to start with me. So first, we focus on our own stuff. And then second, well, we can't just focus. we got to fix it, right? We read a couple verses later, it says, First, right, after you focus on it, you take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll be able to see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Have you ever had something in your eye? I have. And man, it is crazy painful, right? It hurts so much. It's such a sensitive part of the body. And when you get something in your eye, your eye just starts to water. And because of it, your vision gets blurred. And don't miss this, right? When you have something in your eye, it hurts. And when we hurt, well, we want to blame someone else for the hurt. So in our hurt, well... We demand they change, and in our hurt, we focus on what they did, and in our hurt, we want to fix them. And Jesus says, no, 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 don't focus on them first. Focus on fixing yourself. And not only does it hurt when you got something in your eye, right? It's watering so bad that you, you can't see clearly. Your vision is blurred. You've got this plank, this splinter, this dust in your eye, and this is not 
the moment for you and I to be doing eye surgery on somebody else. Nope. It's not the moment to fix someone else. This is the moment to fix our own eye first. You see, Jesus is saying, look, I just want you to see clearly. And you can't see clearly. But if you allow me to help you identify your personal part of the blame, and when you remove it, well, then you're going to see clearly. For the conflict we had in our marriage, I had to take my focus off of what I thought were Janet's unreasonable outbursts. And I had to begin to see how my actions, or truthfully, my inaction, were communicating things. They were communicating, I don't value you. They were communicating to Janet, I don't see the effort you're putting in. They were communicating, I am not loving you with my actions. And it took far too long, but eventually, eventually I was able to see what was happening on Tuesday. Well, it started back on Saturday. And I learned to begin to ask when we got to those Saturdays, hey, how can I help? Now, i got to be honest with you, I'm still not perfect at this. I have, over the last 35 years, got pretty good at doing laundry. And truthfully, I do the majority of the grocery shopping. And occasionally, occasionally, I will clean up without being asked. Now, we were able to discover that on our own, but sometimes, sometimes we can't fix our own stuff. Sometimes we can't see what we did wrong. Sometimes we can't even see our part of the blame. So when that happens, what do you and I do? That's when we need to be in community. That's when we turn to a close friend. That's when we turn to someone who mentors us. That's when we turn to a counselor. When we were married 10 years, we had another problem. And this problem we couldn't figure out on our own. And so, well, we went to a counselor. We went to find counseling. We went to a professional who was trained to help us see what we couldn't see, what we were missing. And i got to tell you, it totally worked. It totally helped us see and resolve the conflict that seemed to be such a barrier. And so I just want to say, if you're at that point where you can't see it or you can't get it resolved, then ask for help. Seek help. I mean, we have a list of counselors here at Restore that we recommend. As a matter of fact, right on the screen below me, there's a QR code. If you just take a picture, that'll open up the list. You can save it to your bookmarks and then come back and say, hey, I need some help. Which one of these might be the best fit for you, the best fit for me? So let me just say, hey, if you're at that spot where you can't get things resolved, ask for help. So first, first we focus on our own stuff. Second, we go to work and fix our own stuff. And third, then we lean in and we go after fixing the relationship. Now you might read this and think, okay, so Jesus is saying, I work on my stuff, they work on their stuff. And uh, well, the moral of the story is, I should just mind my own, my own business and they mind their own. And Jesus would say, no, 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 no. This is a lesson on reconciliation. This isn't, I do my stuff, you do your stuff, and never the twain should meet. No. This is a lesson on how we do our stuff that allows us, our individual stuff that allows us to do our work together. See, Jesus' point is that when you start with your own business, and start with yourself, but it doesn't end there. I love how the Apostle Paul wrote as part of his letter to the church in Rome these words of encouragement. 
He says, live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. I mean, there's so much in these verses, but I think as it talks to us today on this idea of working toward reconciliation and restoration in our relationships, here's what we have to know. The goal of this is harmony. Harmony. Live in harmony with each other, we read. The goal is not to be right. The goal is not to win the argument. The goal is not to go in and say, hey, look at me. I'm such a good person, and then blame them. The goal, my friends, is harmony. But there is a sacrifice, and the sacrifice is humility. Don't be proud, God says. Don't think you know it all. Be humble. Be willing to own your part of the blame. Be willing to fix what you did wrong. And the requirement, well, it's work. I love how it says, do all that you can. You know, relationships, they're the most wonderful and sometimes the most awful things in the world, right? The highest of highs that we experience in our lives often come because of relationships, but also the lowest of lows become from relationships as well. They require work. And remember, there's no period here. As you take responsibility for your part of the blame, as you begin to experience healing in your relationships, don't think, hmm, Things are fixed forever. Don't think that your relationship's now perfect. You, you see, there is no period because following Jesus never stops. It never stops him working on me. See, it's never about you and following Jesus isn't about, wow, I'm now a better person. No, it's whatever God is doing in me and that he wants to do through me. And even in this regard, we have to understand it's not about me that God wants to use me as part of relationships that draw people into relationship with him. See, here's the promise. Back to what Jesus said. Starts a little harsh. He says, you hypocrite. And then he gives the instruction, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then the promise. And then you will see clearly. That's when we see clearly, but we don't see clearly merely for ourselves. No, we see clearly so that we can remove the speck from our brother's eyes. We see clearly because we have a purpose. And you and I will begin to see clearly so that we indeed can remove the speck from our brother, our sister, our brother-in-law, sister-in-law, neighbor, somebody we work with. That you and I will be in a better position to help them get in a better position. Because recognizing and owning the log in my eye prepares me to move towards them, towards you. Not so that I can get back at you, but I can get back to you. And Jesus makes us this promise. The promise is this. If you and I are humble enough, if we're self-aware enough, if we're sensitive enough to hear the still small voice that nudges us in that direction, Jesus says, if you'll do that, then you'll see clearly which makes sense, right? Because there's something going to be out of our eye. And when we see clearly, we have this purpose. And this purpose is always about others. You know, in our marriage, when I started to realize that my inactivity, or if I'm honest, my laziness was contributing to the conflict, 
I could remove the speck, the plank from my eye. And then I could also help Janet see that, well, she needed to ask me for help. Now, she wanted for me to know exactly what to do by osmosis, but I was oblivious. I just didn't see it. And after being able to share with her, well, now, well, she asks. Now, even after 35 years of marriage, I still get a gold star when I clean up without being asked. But when she does ask, I try to respond as quickly as I can. And I can tell you this, Tuesdays and Wednesdays are so much more peaceful in the McMahon Casa. Because I've learned, if there's something about me that's an obstacle to us, I have to own it. If there's something about me, even a tiny thing that's an obstacle to us, I need to identify it. I need to admit it. I need to own it. I need to remove it. I know, I know it's hard. I know it's hard because inside the relationship, we have this idea of self-preservation. We want to protect ourselves and we want to say, I don't want to have to do everything. You do your part and maybe I'll get to mine. And when we have self-preservation, well, it has this tendency to lead to self-righteousness. Man, do you know what Jesus hated? Never hated people. Man, he got upset when he observed self-righteousness. I mean, Jesus was always after the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the teachers of the law. And you know why? It wasn't because they were unintelligent. It wasn't because they weren't trying. No, they were just so self-righteous. They were just so sure of themselves. They were so focused on the speck in your eye, in your eye, in your eye, that they could never see it in their own. And Jesus was telling them over and over again, you got a plank, no, you got a log, no, you got double logs in your eyes. But you can't see it because you think you're too good. So much better than everyone else. I tell you, self-righteousness always, always, always gets in the way of repairing and restoring relationships. But on the flip side, self-awareness, well, that'll pave the way. That creates the path. And restoring or fixing a broken relationship, it requires self-awareness. And I've come to know that the more that I'm aware of all that God has yet to do in me, that He's not done with me, there's not an end to this story. There's so much more to grow and develop in me, the less that I'm consumed with what he has to do in the people around me. So my friends, I just want to say, own your piece of the blame pie. Focus on your stuff. Fix your stuff. Then focus on the relationship. You got a broken relationship in mind? Got a relationship that needs repair? Got a relationship that needs prayer? Go ahead. Bring that relationship to mind. Here's how I want to close our time together. I want us together to kind of pray this prayer. Wherever you are, you can pray it out loud and simply call it the, the blame prayer, all right? The, the words are going to be on the screen here, and I just want wherever you are just to kind of Read these words out loud. Allow them kind of sink into your head and maybe stir some things inside your heart and even potentially move some things in your soul. So if you would, pray this with me. Heavenly Father,
please show me my piece of the blame pie. Show me where I was at fault. Show me what I did wrong. Show me, Father, what I could have done better. And give me the strength and the courage to fix it. It's only possible because of you, Jesus. Amen.